This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, this sucks. So how was Shot Show? Shot Show was great, man. We had such a great time. Got some met with some new uh, some new partners already, and and uh, booked a bunch of uh, new uh, excursions and hunts and stuff all across the world. So it's gonna be a great, great season. Uh, looking forward to it, man. Yeah, no doubt. I'm looking forward to uh, to watching it now. You're all uh, you're all recovered. I talked to uh, a few buddies of mine who went down there, and they said uh, it took them a few days to recuperate. <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty easy to uh uh take advantage of everything vegas that's for sure yeah yeah no doubt i've never been to vegas but uh oh man you got to come down yeah yeah no for sure next year hopefully all this uh covid bs is is i'd like to say over but i know that's not gonna happen so right um, right yeah. but uh no uh i'm gonna go crash it next year i think so how many days did you get in down there gosh we were there from tuesday to sunday and oh, wow it, yeah, it was great because uh, Safari Club International also overlapped as well. So uh, we went straight from Shot Show straight over to uh, SCI and, and just had a blast. It was a great. Nice. Time. Yeah. yeah. So did, did you have a setup uh, there, or were you kind of just mingling, networking? I guess. Yeah. No, it's perfect because all my partners, all my sponsors and stuff, uh, come in, so it's easy to hit everybody at one location. <laughs> and then um, it's great to just go talk to to possible new sponsors and partners and uh, and at shot show and then go all straight over to sci and then we talked to a bunch of, of great uh places that offer great trips and hunts and stuff all over the world so we were able to lock in a bunch of stuff in uh, that short amount of time how many people you think uh, roll through that show yeah i mean on the norm probably five six hundred thousand i guess i bet it was down 50 percent, if not more five or six hundred thousand oh it's insane there it's got to be at least that dude <laughs> that's man, that's a lot like up here in british columbia i think we got like four million people so 
<laughs> I love it. I might be way overstating it, but I know during the NFR, which is a two week long rodeo event in, in Vegas, there's at least five, 600,000 people that roll through there. Wow. Wow. Where's that one held in Vegas? That's as well. in, yeah. In Vegas as well. So it's all over town. And then uh, Thomas and Mac centers where they, they hold the rodeo, man, it is a blast. I've been going there for the last 12 years in a row. Yeah, no, no, dude, I'm fired up. I want to check that out. Yeah, it is a blast. Is that the only show you get in? You, do you get a chance to hit up any other shows? No, I usually try and go to ATA, which is the big archery convention in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And then Dallas Safari Club is that same weekend. So we usually try and go down to Dallas and hit the Dallas Safari Club, which is a great, great show. And then by then it's it's time for Vegas. So we usually ended up with SHOT Show and, uh, and Safari Club. And then that's pretty much all I can get in. You're a bow hunter too, eh? Yes, sir. I love it. Yeah, no doubt. How long have you been uh, flinging arrows? Gosh, only about, I'd say about 10 years, that's you know, fun. really hard at it. I'd say for the last seven you know really really diving into it um <clears throat> got my uh first elk in 2017 after nice. you know many years of trucking up and down the mountain and not getting anything <laughs> it was pretty cool um yeah. the last episode we did was a colorado episode uh, for elk and we tied it in with another uh, like a bunch of years so it was really cool to see how we progressed not only from my skills as an archer, but how we were able to call in and start calling in bulls and stuff really close. We got the one I harvested into seven yards. It was so cool. I had to oh, use my, my 40 pin on him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> took man, a that's awesome. Yeah. Got great yeah. footage. And it was just amazing. No, man, there's nothing like chasing out for sure. And when you get a chance to shoot one with a bow, it's. Oh, I love getting so close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah man, for sure. That's the calling. I think, you know what I mean? Like, you get that bull and he's walking in 10 yards on you and he's just screaming at man you're just yeah it's, it's unexplainable unless you go through it that's pretty cool. you're absolutely right man you just gotta if you have a lapel mic on you can hear your heart beating through your chest it literally yeah, <laughs> yeah man it's uh, it's pretty intense for sure and calling it i think mean, that's that takes a lifetime to master in its own so Oh, for sure. A good friend of mine, we go on his, uh, they've got a, like three groups of guys that, that own property out in uh, like La Vida Mesa area in Colorado, south of Pueblo. And uh, it was unfortunate because it all burned the last couple of years. So it's just trying to get grown back. But man, these guys are like world-class callers. So I'm very fortunate to have those guys with me. I don't even try. I'll do a cow call, but I won't do a bugle. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I really... Uh... I really practice. I practice year round. I, people yeah. pull up to me at a red light and I'll be blowing on my reed and they'll be right. looking at me like I lost my mind. But I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So now you grew up in uh, Nebraska. I did. I grew up uh, in Hubble, Nebraska, a super small town, 44 people right on oh, the wow. Kansas. That is, that is small town, Nebraska. Yeah. Right on the Kansas, Nebraska line. I could uh, kick a football into, into Kansas from my backyard. It's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> cool. cool so what was it uh tell me a bit about your folks and, and kind of growing up in the in small town absolutely well first of all i wouldn't change it for a, a bit i mean i'd love to go back one day because i still love that little town but um you know growing up with mom and dad we grew up on a little farm and then i i uh worked for all the little farmers around uh, and played all sports in, in high school and, and just loved every second of it and we, you know, growing up before school and after school, we'd, we'd set traps and we'd go hunting for, you know, coons and possums down in the creek a lot. And, and that's where I just fell in love with the outdoors more than anything. You know, all my friends were into the outdoors. So it was just something that came natural to us. I mean, drove our trucks to work or to school and had yeah, like grills in the back. So we'd grill up a, a food in the <laughs> during lunch hour. And it was just 
that was just the way of life. It was just normal for us, you know, and um, just kept doing that my entire life and, and actually just fell in love with it even more after I moved out of, out of Nashville or out of Nebraska into Nashville. And, and that was the thing that kind of took me all over the world, you know, growing up yeah, in that yeah. little town, it's just, uh, you know, the nature is right there because I mean, it was, it was two hours to any big town around us. I mean, so yeah. we, we were out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and that was kind of the reason I, I asked because I was kind of trying to put the pieces together on, on, you know, I was wondering, you know, why country music? And, and right. I was wondering, if it was just like, you were a product of your environment, but it sounds like you definitely were. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, farming the outdoors and everything in between, man, that's how we grew up and it was just our life and our way of life. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And like I said, I'd go back in a heartbeat if I could. <laughs> yeah. So when did you first start uh, getting into music? At a super young age, honestly, I mean, uh, in that little hometown of, uh, of Hubble, our, our church, you know, was probably a congregation of 12 at peak, if 15, if it was a good weekend, right? And uh, my mom and dad and my brothers and sisters and the preacher were pretty much the choir, right? And uh, every time they'd go over to the preacher's house to, uh, to practice the, the worship stuff, they'd sit me in the corner because I was too young and and I was just sitting over there, you know, listening. And the preacher would always give me this electronic drum set to just kind of play with. And I started keeping like perfect time with what they were doing. And she was like, this kid's got some, some, some rhythm, you know? So she took me into the high school there and, and introduced me to the music teacher. And man, I just started picking up every single instrument I could at probably seven, eight years old and uh, started playing the drums um and and then i started playing guitar realized how fast that uh, how easy that was to carry around as opposed to some drums and then start playing piano a little bit of violin and just everything i picked up i, I just kind of came natural to me it took a little bit of effort but but it was just one of those things that just i fell in love with with everything about music and instrumentation and and it just started to evolve and I started writing songs and and uh playing in our little county-wide whatever you know whoever needed some somebody to come sing and entertain it was it was always my dad and my brother and i quickly decided that i wanted to be a part of that too and and yeah kind of the rest is history i just started i mean that was my whole life you know the outdoors and music and that was it yeah that's that's i mean i i've never played an instrument in my life but uh, the air guitar that's about it but uh, <laughs> perfect you, you can know. play the radio that's good <laughs> no doubt no doubt but uh you know growing up in the outdoors that was something I, re I relished in but so growing up with all the playing all these instruments was that something you just knew you wanted to do you wanted to be a musician i did you know i mean honestly when i was still in high school music kind of slid back a little bit but it was still in my in my in my future but uh i was into sports you know play football basketball track baseball just loved it and if you didn't go out I mean, nobody played because <laughs> we needed every single body that we could on the field <clears throat> in that small town. But yeah, I mean, I just, I had that feeling that, you know, all the doors were kind of opening in the right direction when it came to music, everything that I did. So I started three bands, um, probably my senior year and right out of, right out of high school, I had three bands going. One was a country band called uh, Borderline. I had a kind of an all, all encompassing rock and, and country band called uh, Southern Cross and then I had a worship band called Extreme Devotion, and it was from Thursday to Sunday. That's all I was doing was playing music, and and uh, like I said, doors kind of started flinging open. I started opening up for a lot of the big acts that were coming in into the area, and uh, kind of just took off from there to where I got to the point. I got a quick degree in uh, 
architecture and, and building construction and, and business and knew that I needed something to help me uh, support my music habit. <laughs> and uh, I took off for Nashville and none of the band, none of the bandmates wanted to follow me there. So uh, I didn't know a single soul and I've been in Nashville ever since. 2002, your first CD came out, right? Yeah. Uh, can you speak to that a bit? Kind of just like what that process was like for your first CD, kind of how long it took and Absolutely. the pressure of it and stuff like that? Yeah. When I first got to Nashville, I knew that I had to uh, find a, find a job because the first place I went to, I was looking for a pair of boots. I had already worn the soles off my boots and I, I walk into this boot store and, and uh, the guy selling the boots goes, man, looks like you're here for music. I said, yes, sir. He's like, well, let me give you some advice. He's like, 3000 people a month move to Nashville and 98% of those people at the end of that month, give up and go home. So he's like, go get yourself a good job and make Nashville your home before you decide if you're going to stay or go. And I did that exact thing. And I was probably some of the best advice I ever got because uh, I turned Nashville into my home really quick, got a great job. You know, like I said, trying to support the music habit until it took off. And I knew right away that I, I wanted to start making my own records I was playing downtown on Broadway, you know, cutting cutting my teeth down there with all every bar band I could, and and uh, I noticed a lot of people didn't have any music for sale, but we were getting thousands of people coming, in, you know, in front of us every single night that were wanting to spend money, and uh, so I I put together a record with uh, one of the first people I met in town. His name is Eddie Kilgallen. He's the founder of one of the founding members of Ricochet. If you're familiar with that band, you know, Daddy's Money, Mama's Good Looks, and mm -hmm, Look Who's mm -hmm, yeah. And a uh, great, great guy. We're still best friends today. And uh, he helped me put together a record for little to nothing because he knew I didn't have a, a single penny in my pocket. And I, I would trade out construction services so that I could get songs recorded. So I'd build a producer like a deck or I'd build somebody a screened in porch or fix their doors or windows on their house so that I could afford to go in the studio and put this record together. And, and um, I'm glad I had those skills to be able to do that, you know, because it turned out to be a, a fun record and a, a record that I love looking back on and, and seeing how we progressed over the years. Yeah, no doubt. It's cool to have that, that reciprocity to do stuff like that so what uh what kind of did you have like specific goals for yourself for that first album honestly my goal for that first album was just to literally get music out there so that i could start you know selling records from the band stage and uh so i had a material to actually take to you know publishing companies and management and record labels and and uh uh, booking agents and things like that, because a lot of people just come to town and they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. What do I do now? You know? <laughs> so right, yeah. I, so I wanted to build up the assets as much as I possibly could. How did uh, Nashville fit into your love for the outdoors? Um, you know, it kind of took a, a back door for a while because, you know, you know how hard it is to oh, like, yeah. have people yeah. uh, let you go hunt on their land. <laughs> so it, it took a back seat for a good number of years mm -hmm. Until the music kind of took off, honestly, because uh, I always say this on my show, my guitar has been my passport to different places in this amazing world and getting into people's lives that I normally wouldn't probably be hanging out with <clears throat> because they got a heck of a lot more money than I do. <laughs> so um, it, it's been my passport and, and uh, you know, it quickly turned into, you know, my guitar was 
the one taking me around, but I was going and playing for all these like hunting lodges and around campfires. And, and I do big concerts and people come backstage for, you know, meet and greets. And they'd say, man, I heard you're a hunter. Why don't you come hunting with me? And, and if anybody ever does that and invites me, I'm on their doorstep yeah. like the next day. Yeah, so, I'm in. <laughs> never threaten me with a good time. Cause I'll be, <laughs> and, uh, and that's what kind of spawned, you know, Hogue Wild. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. I feel like I jumped down Alice in Wonderland hole because I was getting to hunt with some of these people that, you know, they spend thousands of dollars and they own thousands of acres and they go to Africa and New Zealand and Namibia and all these places. And they're like, want me to go with them. And I'm like, I got to start bringing a camera guy with me. (laughs) And it kind of just evolved into that, you know? And, and, uh, to this day, it's like, I still have all those friendships and relationships and now I'm able to reciprocate for what they did for me getting to where I am now. Yeah, no doubt. So, so from that album, 2002, fast forward, 2017, uh, you had a new album, Dirty South. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that killed it, eh? Top 10 in the charts. What did it, what did it, uh, what did it, was it end actually, up reaching out? Yeah, it was actually my first number one album. The whole album went number oh, one on nice. the country billboard album sales chart, which was really, really cool. And, uh, yeah, that a lot of people, kind of woke up to what I was doing and, and uh, kind of jumped on the train. <laughs> yeah. So like when that happened, were you kind of like, oh man, finally I made it. Or was it all just like a, just it's, I'm probably still is just a surreal experience. You know, those number ones are always awesome to have, but it's like you, you don't get enough time to enjoy it, you know, as long as you want, because everybody's right there waiting for the next thing to drop right so it's like okay you hit that good good job now what's next you know you don't get the only time you kind of get to enjoy it is at the live shows you know because you go from you know very few people showing up to your concerts to a heck of a lot more people showing up to your concerts so now are you still touring yeah as much as we can you know it's still weird down here in the states touring but uh Mm -hmm. we try and go to those states that are you know more opened up than the others I'm doing a bunch of shows with Justin Moore and uh, Granger Smith Smith this year. So, uh, yeah, we're touring as much as possible, but uh, I'm front loading this year with a lot of uh, hunts and, and uh, travel for the TV show right now. Yeah. Did you, you guys ever, uh, well, pretty hard to ask this question right now, but I guess you guys ever, ever make it up to uh, Canada. You know, the only time I've been to Canada was I did two festivals back to back and they were the uh, Cavendish beach festival. And uh, I had a blast. It was such a fun festival to do. And uh, hopefully they'll kick that off again in the next few years. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, man. Yeah, but I'd like to do a lot more up in Canada for sure. Yeah, well, we'd love to have you for sure. So I'll just walk back a little bit here. I I had one question for you regarding uh, music, and then maybe we'll uh, we'll get into some good stuff, some hunting stuff. Um, Yeah. Your album there, that that one last one you came out, 2017, it was kind of... You know, it was kind of around the era when, like, the end of the CD era era. Right. Can you kind of kind of like speak to that a bit? You know, about the transition as a musician selling songs. Uh, you know, in the age of, of downloads as opposed to like CD sales. Yeah the uh, the landscape of country music um, in general has just changed so much. Like you said, going from the disc era to you know to downloads and streams and and people just 
you know, consuming music so much faster than they used to. Um, when we were doing radio tours, you know, before 2017, when I, and we would have to literally go out on the road and, you know, you beat down every door of the radio station that you could and try and get them to play your songs and, and uh, hand them CDs and, and whatever you could. And it was just uh, a different, different world back then. It was almost like the harder you work, the more you won. Mm -hmm. where now it's kind of switched to a little bit of the opposite. Now, granted, social media is, uh, I call it the monster that you have to feed every day, like bushels and bushels of feed because, mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if it's working any less or working any harder, but you're definitely working smarter um, to where you can reach 10 times more people than you could when we were beating down the doors of radio stations. So it's right definitely changed so much and you know not having to put full records together anymore which costs tens of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands sometimes and you kind of really never recoup that as much as you'd like to or as fast as you'd like to so it's 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 a different game altogether and you don't have to record you have to record more but you don't have to you know i guess put as much financial effort into it as you used to either so it's, it's kind right. of a give and take, but it's definitely a strange landscape right now for everybody to navigate. I've had this podcast uh, just over a year now and it was, it automatically, right. It was online. It was download. You just stream it. And, and just like to manage, like it's easy to look at, you could click a button, you can see downloads, um, mm -hmm. hits, all that stuff. And back in the area of CDs, I guess it was just CD sales. And yeah. And I mean, you could, you could sell a lot less CDs, you know, moving on to the, the, the digital era era and still have a super successful record where now it's like you have to have a million streams a day right, just to, yeah. to make it make sense <laughs> yeah it's more yeah i guess it's more song specific and yeah yeah or yeah, set up i guess for the user yeah and that's why there's so many so much gaps between records nowadays you know so um where you used to put out a new album like every other year maybe or every year it's it's like you do maybe four or five singles a year and you do a bunch of songs in between those that don't mean as much to you as you think. And um, that's kind of, that's why there's so much gap between uh, people's releases because it's all single driven. You guys still rolling around on those, uh, those big buses? Oh, absolutely. As much as possible. Um, now that everything's kind of scaled back, we'll still, we'll do sprinter van and trailer, you know, things like oh. that. I do a lot of fly dates and whatnot, but man, I, I love being in that bus anytime I can. <laughs> I was lucky enough to see the inside of one. Uh, there's a big music festival here. It's the Merritt Mountain Music Festival. It was They're pretty uh, great. Yeah. Oh man. Awesome. Four days <laughs> and takes you, uh, it's probably like SHOT Show. It's going to take you a week to recover from it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And those buses are so cool because they can be set up any way you want them to. Um, I'd use, I've gone out on the road with some throughout their tour and they'd have a studio in the back instead of a bedroom and yeah. you know, just all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. Awesome. So maybe uh, let's dive into your, uh, into hunting. Why don't you tell the, tell people a bit about your show. You kind of touched, touched on it a bit there, but uh, yeah, we'll just get a little more specifics. Absolutely. Hogue Wild is one of my favorite creations right now it's it's a, a lifestyle show revolves around me and everything that i do a lifestyle adventure just lots of music and having a great time and all the people that i've get to meet along the way and 90 percent of these people that i've met have all you know been because of my music career i've either done concerts that they've been at or hired by different people to come down and do shows and come to just go hunting with them or whatever fishing and and uh, it's just so much fun, you know, be, being able to uh, 
do what I love to do day in and day out. I mean, it's just still surreal to me and then uh, have a lot of great partners to help me do it. Um, and that's the key is finding great partners and sponsors that can help you put something of this quality together um, and get it out there for people to enjoy. And uh, that's what I love doing is bringing people on the journey with me as opposed to just showing them a journey. You know, I, I want people to know that everything that I'm doing is completely tangible and, and I try and make it uh, everything that I do as affordable as possible so that I can tell people, Hey, you can do this too. And it's not going to break the bank. It may look like you're breaking the bank because you're flying in private jets or on private yachts or wherever we're going, yeah. but you know, it can happen and it can be completely tangible. And, and like I said, not break your, break your pocketbook for sure. But uh, it's just been a fun show. You know, I've got to jump out of airplanes with the golden Knights. Um, I've swam with sharks and dolphins down in the Virgin islands. And uh, that's just to name a few. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. No, I I, uh, I caught a bit of it. Uh, I don't. Fortunately, I don't have a lot of time between uh, everything I've got going on, three kids, and oh yeah, and everything. I uh, it's, it's uh, fills my day as I can imagine your yours must as well. If you're touring or making shows, you're hunting and and getting yep. all that into the mix. You must uh, pretty busy life. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, where do you guys uh, do most of your hunting, or is it just all over? It really is all over the place. Yeah. Um, this year we leave for the Dominican Republic next Wednesday and oh, bring exactly. some of my, my good friends from the Dodgers, Oral Hershiser and Rick Honeycutt are going to be my guests. And as I go out there and I do spring training with the Dodgers, uh, out in Arizona, uh, for the last couple of years and, and I've got to know these guys and, uh, I was like, Hey, I want you, you guys to come and be in my neck of the woods now and, and let me show you how to do something. So we're going to go do some clay clay shoots and, and uh, skeet shooting in the jungle and go out deep sea fishing and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's really going to be really fun. And then uh, I'll be hunting in Africa for about three weeks coming up in March. And then, uh, you know, whitetail in Texas and pheasants in Nebraska and Kansas and Turkey and Tennessee. It's just, we're going to be everywhere. <laughs> oh man, I'm jealous, jealous. <laughs> but uh, so these hunters you take out, are they seasoned hunters and fishers? Not always. And that's the really cool thing about what I love doing is I've known some of my friends for, you know, gosh, 10, 15, 20 years. And some of them never hunted before in their life. I was able to get one of my dear friends, uh, Casey Timmer, who's a good songwriter buddy of mine, his first deer last year and his first turkey ever. So uh, I was really excited to be able to take new hunters out and uh, teach them how it should be done and how to respect uh, the environment around you and mother nature and everything that uh, comes along with it. And the respect uh, that a hunter should give to nature is just uh, one thing that I'm going to hold near and dear to my heart forever. Absolutely. Now, Texas hunting, I got a, I got a few buddies down in Texas and I love talking to whitetails. I, yeah. Whitetails are funny. Eh? Like I, I find whitetails. I, I don't get excited about them. I, I find myself not getting exciting about them until it's time to get hunting. And then I just get obsessed. Right. obsessed. I... And then even, and then even after the hunt's over, I'm still obsessed. Like right now our hunt, our season ended on December, our archery season ended on December 20th. I got my whitetail on December 18th. Oh, no way. And I'm still, I'm still, you know, I'm still in whitetail mode. I got a goat hunt coming up, but I'm still, I'm still in whitetail mode and it's, they're just Absolutely. one of those critters, man. I just, I don't know what it is about them. Oh yeah. They're so much fun and, uh, I enjoy it. I was just down in Texas about two weeks ago on my buddy's place and, uh, got about a 198 class whitetail down there. He was a monster. <laughs> 198. Yeah. Wow. That's a big deer. That's nice. Yeah. 
And I actually have a, I partnered with this new, new company called trophy scan. I don't know if you're familiar with it and uh, I'm excited to get this in the mail, but they, they have these digital scanners where you, you can scan the rack of your harvest and it gives you a 99.9% accuracy scan in a 3d digital scan. And it's certified through Boone and Crockett and SCI. And yeah, so then they'll, they'll do 3d digital printouts of that rack life size or miniatures. And man, it is so cool. Um, so if you ever break an antler or something like that, or it gets caught in a fire or something, you can have that digital printout forever and di- print out as many of them as you want. And oh, I see. Exact. And I get a replica made. Yeah. And it's, it's the exact, cool. I mean, it's identical to every square inch of it. Oh man. Like I, I have friends who've lost uh, like due to forest fire, they, their house got destroyed right and um and he had record class like um stone sheep white tails muleys beautiful beautiful caribou racks in there oh no just gone you know and that that was the hardest thing that he had to let go in his you know there's insurance for everything but you know you just you can't replace those no and that's what this thing is exactly for that purpose you know not only for the the scan for the score, but man, just to have those digital 3d replicas sitting in the cloud somewhere that you can pull them down anytime. And, and for that reason, exactly. It's it's why this is really cool. That is cool. So what is it like a little handheld and you kind of just run it? It's actually, yeah, it's a proprietary uh, app that's on that they have to put, put on an iPad pro. And then there's, there's like a little attachment that goes on the lens of the camera and uh it literally pulls up everything you need to do it tells you how to do it because it's 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 really cool and you have to really scan it with the 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 ipad and and the little lens thing but man it turns out cool i did my first scan at sci last week and it was fun it was really fun that sounds cool yeah i'll have to check that out what's that thing called again called trophy scan by casa by casa outdoors yeah yeah, cool. I'll look it up. I'll throw it in the show notes too. That's pretty neat. So what's your favorite critter to hunt? Man, that's a hard one. <laughs> Elk is by far right now, you know, my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to uh, New Zealand and hunt red stag during the roar. And oh, cool. Whoo, that that's close. That's a close first or not, if not a second, because I never heard an animal sound like that in my life. And being able to hunt those things over there in New Zealand was, was so cool. And I was able to do it with a bow and I was able to harvest the first one that came in. So it was about a 350 class stag, which I just loved. It was, it was so much fun. Yeah. So like compared to the elk you got in Colorado, what, what sort of nuances are there between those two? To me, the, the bodies are extremely similar. Um, I think elk might, it seems to me like elk are just a little bigger, but man, I'd have to see them side by side. But it's it's all in the in the in the rack, you know, because uh, stag are just gnarly, man. They've got super cool crowns and you know, just everything. It's it's almost like a non-typical whitetail, right? <laughs> when you look yeah, at them, yeah. And uh, but they're just huge and just massive, and and elk is so so much more streamlined and and uh, just different in that respect. So they're just yeah. pretty cool animals, man. No doubt, yeah, that's super cool. I'd love to. Uh... I'd love to get the opportunity to go over there and hunt those things. Same with Africa. I'm planning to go. Uh, I got a good buddy. He was on the show. Uh, I'm going to see him 2023 over to Africa, South Africa. So, I'm Oh, nice. Where are you going hunting at? Pretty pumped on that. It's uh, 
uh, uh, Johannesburg. It's about an hour and a half uh, from Johannesburg. I can't remember the name of his, where his exact outfit is, but right. Yeah. I'm looking forward Very to that. Cool. Have you had a chance to, when you're going over there, is that going to be your first time over there? Um, I, I've been a lot to North Africa, so I've been oh, touring yeah. for the troops um, overseas for the last 12 years. So I've, I've been to so many places and Northern Africa is one of the places that we have, have bases. So I'd go over there and play some shows for our troops over there. And, and, uh, Northern Africa, uh, is pretty desolate and devastating. So I'm excited to go see South Africa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to venture into, uh, North Africa at all. No, there's a, it's pretty, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. That's for sure. Yeah. I'd rather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're pretty, uh, we're pretty blessed over here on this side of the world. That's for sure. As, as shitty as things are, sometimes you, you still got a pretty damn good. Yeah, exactly. I think everybody needs to go over there and see what uh, our boys and girls are going through every single day in the day out. And I've been uh, one of the, the few to get over there and, and see exactly what they're going through every day. And it's, it's pretty intense, man. I've been to Iraq, Kuwait, Kosovo, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Egypt, uh, Kyrgyzstan, you name a lot of the stands I've been to. <laughs> And man, uh, they're so beautiful too. It's like, man, I wish everybody could just get their crud together because man, Afghanistan is believe it or not a beautiful place. Um, some of the rivers and mountains and, and the animals that they have over there is just amazing. It'd be fun to be able to, to go over there and harvest something, you know, if, yeah, and not have sure. to look over your back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's a scary thought, man. It really is terrible. <clears throat> terrible. So uh you've you've been outside your whole life hunting fish and traveling what was it like the first time you started doing it with a camera in your face a lot different yeah <laughs> a lot different because you know when you're out there in the woods you're you're just you know thinking about yourself and your environment and then when you put a camera in there you're like oh well i gotta actually make this interesting for the people watching yeah. <laughs> so it was hard to kind of make that transition into okay i need to talk to the camera a lot more because my audience is back there so it's uh it's been a, def a definite transition. I'm learning more and more every time we do it. And I uh, uh, don't think I'll ever get it down to where it should be, but I'm going to do all the best I can to make sure people have fun watching the show. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you find, do you find it makes you uh, a better hunter? I've heard guys talk about it. It, uh, it forces them to be a little more patient, not get so excited. And the camera guys behind you, you're going to have to wait for him. He's got, you know, yeah. there's a lot more going on or, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more mechanisms in play there that, uh, that have to get ready just for the shot rather than you, like you said, when you're by yourself, you're just, you're getting a position, you're shooting the first opportunity yet, but yeah, you got a camera there. That's not always the case. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And sometimes uh, we'll, we slow down so much that we kind of take advantage of, or we'll, we'll miss a shot because we're like, Oh no, no, he'll, he'll come back or, or, or something like that. And we're like, ah, you know, we, thought too much of ourselves we should have taken it <laughs> when we had the chance so yeah we try and slow down as much as possible for yeah. sure so you got uh, you got a bucket list hunt you know uh i feel like i'm checking them off man and you know zealand, slowly getting through yeah new zealand was like probably tip top of my bucket list because i just love the country over there and i've always wanted to bend so i was very blessed to have been able to go with alpine hunting over there i met those guys at Dallas Safari Club about two years ago, well, 2019. And I was able to go to New Zealand in 2020 and they were shutting down New Zealand the week that I was leaving New Zealand because of COVID. It was pretty crazy. Oh. So I got to do that. Um, I'd love to go, you know, either 
great white diving off the coast of Africa at some point or dive the barrier reef in Australia. Um, but you know, I'm every, to me, every hunt's a bucket list because I just love being able to do what we love to do, you know? So, so great white, what do you mean? Great white hunting? Like great. Just going down and diving with the great white sharks. Um, <laughs> I, I love scuba diving and I just, it's just cool to see those animals and they're, you know, nobody gets to see that, you know, I, I want to be within touching distance of those things. <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, I'll take your word for it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully get good footage for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that's why you're on TV and I'm, I'm not, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I, I grew, I actually grew up on the ocean and, you know, Oh really? Yeah. I grew up on the ocean and, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time on the water. We've seen like lots of animals, but I I just, I always hated the fact I always hated, I don't know if I watched the movie jaws too early when I was a kid or what, but, Mm. uh, I always hated what I always hated, uh, waiting in the water. I don't know what it is. And I just, you'd never get me down there diving with sharks. No way. You know, I, I feel the exact same way. If I'm, my head's above water and I'm sitting there and I don't know what's below me or how deep it is, whatever. That's when I kind of, you know, you can kind of freak out a little bit. Right? right. So I'm right there with you, but man, once you start scuba diving and you're down there, man, it just opens up a whole nother world. Um, I was, did an episode down in Destin and I got to go spear fishing for the first time and, and, uh, catching lobster by hand and, Dude, when you can take scuba diving and hunting and put it all together, <laughs> it is so much fun down there. We were hunting lionfish and lionfish down here. You know, you know what lionfish are? They're the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're crazy looking fish with the stingers on it, super poisonous, yeah. but they're delicious and they're super invasive in the area. So they do this thing called the Lionfish Week down in Destin, Florida, every year where just thousands of scuba divers come down and they kill thousands and thousands of these lionfish to try and help eradicate them just a little bit off of these reefs. And uh, if you take your harvest into the local restaurants, they'll serve it up for you in like any way that you want. And holy cow, some of the best fish I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that's that's what definitely one thing I miss about living on the coast is just the access to basically unlimited fish and seafood. Yeah, yeah, yeah I bet. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, what else you got coming up? You got uh, new season starting, I guess. Um, so, so how do you guys do? You guys plan your hunts year round? Like, how does? How, yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, in the off season of hunting, you know, I'm usually trying to book either a dive trip or a fishing trip of some sort. And then, um, obviously hunting season rolls around. We're trying to book all those so that we can, once we can book all those, then we know where we can go touring wise for music as well. So that's I try- what I was going to, that's what I was going to kind of get on it. Like how in the hell if you're like, yeah. sounds like you're hunt, you're, you're busy year round. Now, what about your, like, do you have a band that tours with you or? Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. so how do, how how does that how does that all work? Like, how do you fit them, or are they kind of like your cameraman when you're hunting? I wish <laughs> that'd make it easier. <laughs> oh man, that would make it so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> There's not my money. Not many of my band even have ever hunted or even like to. Um, so they they kind of don't understand where I come from a lot of times. But uh, you know, it's fun talking about it and and letting them in on kind of what I do and. It, it takes them around the world too. Like in the Dominican Republic, we're going down to shoot an episode, but it's coincidental that there's a big uh, corporation down there called the 200 club that they were, they found out that I was going to be there filming and they, they actually hired us to do a big concert in the amphitheater while we're there. So it's, 
it's like perfect, you know, because we're going to implement that into the the show as well. And uh, it's just going to be a great time. So we try and do that as much as possible, you know, to where it looks like, you know, it well, it usually is where we're on stage and then all of a sudden we go from stage and we're in the woods somewhere. Or we're out on a boat fishing or we're diving or, you know, we're doing something to where it all ties in together. Yeah. Like the last elk trip that I did, I was, I was doing a show up in uh, New York with old Dominion and we were sitting there and we were doing a show and there was probably about you know, 15, 20,000 people. And within eight hours, I was already in the mountains in Colorado <laughs> hunting elk, you know, it was awesome. No so, doubt. That's crazy. <clears throat> I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to go do a show and then I'll meet you guys on this ridge and we'll start bugling for elk. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> exactly. That's what I love about it. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, do they ever uh, do they ever get in on any of these? Your band members, they ever get any in on any of these hunts? You mentioned they're they're not really. I've gotten uh, one of my my drummers. He set up a an actually a really cool fishing trip down to Tampa Bay, where he's from, because he grew up on the ocean too. So he knew all of his friends from high school that now have like fishing outfitters down there. And, and, uh, we, we actually went down there and had a great episode fishing for snook and, and, uh, all sorts of stuff. And so that was cool. And then I had, um, you know, we did a show in Mexico and, um, I had all my band on, on a fishing boat with me there too. So a lot of the fishing stuff, I'll try and incorporate them on, but you know, a lot of them don't hunt. So right. it's hard to, yeah, I won't take out a fresh hunter. I want them to go through the hunter safety and, and learn yeah. a little bit before I take them out in the field for sure yeah fishing's a little little it's a little easier to to ease into i guess that's you know yeah because you can snag something hand somebody a pole and be like here real (laughs) yeah there you go yeah exactly and it's uh when you get it on once you get the fish up it's it's not too bad it's not like you're you know you're hauling out quarters out of a out of the backcountry or anything like that so for some reason a lot of people have an easier time killing a fish than killing a deer for sure yeah yeah that's true so what about uh, hog hunting? You get to do that down there, down in Texas? That's one um, thing I'm just, I, my buddy's down there and he he told me I can go down there. Like as a Canadian, I could even go down there and just buy a tag and just start hunting hogs. And I was like, sold, I'm in. Yeah, there are just so many down there and they just destroy ground so fast and they reproduce so fast. So, I mean, you could go down there and harvest a hundred of them in, a, in an hour and not even dent the population. Um, yeah, so, yeah, somebody was telling me that if you oh man I, I can't even remember, remember what it was that if every hunter was shot man i want to say i want to say one a week but that seems like it's a lot but every hunter in texas shot one a week or one a month that they'd still reproduce faster than you were killing them yep you're a hundred percent it's probably more than like one a day <laughs> I mean, seriously i mean it is insane and they won't just have one or two they'll have like nine at a time it's just ridiculous yeah, they were saying that the hog, six months, the sow can produce a litter of up to 11. And then at six months, mm-hmm. that's like, wow. Yep. Yeah, it's insane. It is crazy. One of my favorite hog hunts. I haven't been in hog hunting in Texas yet, but uh, I went to uh, a little outfit south of Atlanta and I got to go uh, night hog hunting with a bunch of my Navy SEAL buddies. So we had all the night vision goggles and press <laughs> rifles and it was just a blast <laughs> see some up here like that like either you would never ever in a million years get to do something like that up here ever <laughs> ever like our government is just like it's no way uh-uh. that's awesome 
it's unfortunate that I didn't get to have a camera on that one because a lot of these guys can't be on film, but man, watching, watching Navy SEALs or any type of special forces operate with a rifle just blows your mind. It blows your mind how accurate and how lethal they are. Yeah. I bet like just, yeah. Train killers, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's precise. You know, the precision is just, and how they're, without even probably thinking about it they're like perfectly moving like a school of fish right it's like yeah. <laughs> and i'm back there going uh what's happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what's i got doing? i got a set of those uh, night vision goggles for my kid he, he wanted one for christmas so nice I, he got a set for christmas those things are cool i was like he's like yeah we go take him hunting dad i'm like no <laughs> right no Only we can't things. <laughs> yeah we can scare your mom with them uh we can do a couple other things that probably get us in trouble we can't do that sorry buddy yeah <laughs> that's funny that's funny so where can uh where can all the canadians uh uh check out your show actually it's on a sportsman's channel in canada right now so it's on first quarter and second quarter in Canada on the Sportsman's Channel there. Or you can check it out on uh, MOTV.com. Um, yeah. And there's a bunch of clips on my website as well, Hogwild TV and LucasHogue.com. So lots of places to check out little snippets of it. But yeah, if you want to watch full episodes, you'll have to watch them on Sportsman's Channel Canada and then uh, MOTV right now. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I'll, uh, I'll throw all that stuff in the in the show notes but uh man it's been a good time talking to you i uh hope we can uh do it again and if you ever come up to canada man i'm gonna i'm gonna come check you out for sure and i really hope we can maybe we should hook up a, a haunt or something and just yeah. do something fun like that yeah you bet you man let me know and uh we got like i said we got a lot of cool critters up here that uh blow yeah. your mind oh i can only imagine i'd love to come up there yeah for sure okay man uh i'm gonna wrap this up but uh thanks again eh? it was uh it was a blast meeting you and good chat Likewise, man. Take care. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to the Focus Hunting Podcast, coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This episode has been brought to you by Vortex Optics, the best in optics, period. Backroads Maps. Never get lost with Backroads Maps. Now, if this is the first time you guys tuning into the show, thank you. Please like, subscribe, click a five-star rating. That helps a lot, and uh, we'll catch you again next time.